What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're talking about ideas that stimulate wholesome thinking unto identity, purpose, vision, and action. I am James Anderson, and with me is Logan Eaton and Carolyn Anderson, my good homeboys and homegirls. What is happening? Everybody's about to fall asleep. This is, I'm just... <laughs> Where they're gonna wake up for you though out there. We're here. Yes, we we're, are here. We are here. We what are did you here. guys do today? What didn't we do oh. today? I went to the zoo today. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. With your kids? Yeah. Wow. No, no, just by myself. <laughs> no. Nope. To get a little me time at the <laughs> zoo. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yep. Yep. Went with Wouldn't the kids. Be the first time I've done that. We didn't have school today, so we, <laughs> we did a little little it's not outing. Like it's a zoo at the lights, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> Yeah. And they, everyone had a good time? Everyone did. Good. We, we saw the gorillas. The baby gorilla was communicating wow. with us. Wow. <laughs> Banging on the glass and interacting that's with the kids. It was pretty that's cool. hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I saw the picture. The the baby gorilla would bang, bang on the grass, the, and then the kids would do it. And then the baby gorilla would, like, um, you know, beat on its chest and then the kids would beat on chest and the baby girl would spin around and the kids would spin around. It was like, really? Yeah. 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 Wow. There were some zoo people standing around. When we first walked up and, and he banged on the glass and they're like, you can bang on the glass back. Cause there's like a big sign that says don't tap on the glass. <laughs> and they're like, you you can do it with the baby. Don't do it with the, the big, big guys <laughs> do it with the baby. And so, but yeah, they did it and it was pretty cool. That is going neat. back and forth. Mm. So hey. also pretty fun. Fun fun zoo day. That's right. a little bit of the tired. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. But Just do a couple squats. Yeah. You wake up a bit. What did you do today, Logan? Uh everything. Everything. That's a good day. Yeah. Get it all in. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh yeah. <laughs> I woke up and did some work and then uh was on the phone a lot today mm. there's a lot of phone calls a lot of phoning um and then i went to the gym and then now i'm here that oh. was everything that yeah it was, was it was yeah it was uh it was decent it's a good day nice it's a good day nice. it's a real good what'd you do today what did i do today yeah i washed some stuff Washed a hot, washed the side of the house. Sweet. Washed the deck. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Good weather out there. Yeah. 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 The soap's a little works a little slower there in the cold times. I was listening to this book by Ed uh, Silvoso or Ed Silver. You're saying it right, Ed Silvoso. Silvoso, <laughs> called Ecclesia. He's talking mm. about the church. What does that mean? Ecclesia is the word Jesus uses when he when the word when you see the church Jesus said it twice right he, he was like on this the this testimony the testimony of him being the son of man he will build his church ecclesia and the gates of Hades won't stand against it and so ecclesia means assembly and ecclesia was a um is it was a governmental term it wasn't like it w- it wasn't uh, a religious term or whatever. So anyways, he's just getting into all the meanings behind that. And it's very interesting. Even the, the, the gates of Hades, there's, there was literally in the city they were in, there was literally a place called the gates of Hades. 
which was like a demonic like cave or something where they did animal and human sacrifices. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an audio book. Listen to that one. It's good. Nice. Probably listened to that one a few times. But Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Real good. Yeah, well, sweet. We're going to hop right into it, lest my uh, peoples fall asleep on me. <laughs> um, tonight, we are talking about the fact that the cross is not a dwelling place. Oh, my gosh. Let the controversy begin. <laughs> um, Hold yeah. up. Should we tell oh, our listeners? Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Or our YouTube listeners, oh, yeah. or whoever oh, sees you. Yes. We are on multiple platforms. You we can are. find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes, the audio version is in audio places, such as iTunes, Podbean, I think like Google Play, whatnot. Um, we're also on YouTube if you like the video, or if you don't want to stream it and you want to listen to it while you're working, driving, you need to hit up the audio version, download that bad boy. Listen to it over and over and over. Spread the word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we also got yeah. a website for all those unawares at teambtransform.com where we got articles, got over 200 articles. We've got over 30 podcasts. We've got some videos, um, all kinds of good content to keep everybody jamming. We've also got email, oh. fax, yeah. pigeon mail, mm. smoke signals. <laughs> And stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to get in contact. You can find us on all <laughs> the <laughs> platforms. <laughs> we, we do. On our website, there is a contact form. So if you want to hit us up. Pages. Hit us up. <laughs> Go the old-fashioned way. <laughs> all right. All right. Interruption let's back let's to you. Let's get it on. Yeah. All right. Bam. So Ephesians 2. Come on, somebody. Some it kind of starts off, Paul's talking about um, how we were dead in sin and um, stuck in the ways of the world, the influence of the world by the power, you know, the powers of the spiritual forces and uh, to our flesh. And then um, in verses 4 through 10, uh, it's not broken down, but we're going to read a, a few of these verses and it goes a little bit like this. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So the first part of this says, right, that though we were dead it says he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead for when he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places because we're united with Christ. All right. So we were, we were once dead, right? So Christ came to die 
He came to die so we could be united in his death. Therefore, when he was raised to life, we could be raised with the life that Christ was raised with. Right. So death is for the explicit purpose uh, to come to life. Death breaks uh, the bond and the union with death and the, the rule and reign that was over us in sin. And in Christ, we get under a new authority being God and in him, we've been made new and we're united with Christ and seated with him. So the point is this, is that the cross is not a dwelling place. It's a transition point. It's really easy um, in certain perspectives to think that the cross is, is where you live, right? It's, it's easy to build a house right there. You know, you maybe you get a cow, a couple of chickens, fence that bad boy in, and you got this really nice homestead here at the cross. There's a, there's a bit of a problem with this because the cross is a transition point. So the cross is where you die. And then, so Jesus died on the cross, right? From that place of dying, he was transitioned to the tomb. Well, pardon me, the tomb is empty. So that empty tomb points to a throne with a king who has all authority and power in heaven on an earth. So it says that we've been raised with Christ and we're seated with him where he is because we've, we're united with him. So if, if we make our dwelling at the cross, then we, 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 we hang out in death like we die over and over and over and over. So if you keep dying over and over and over, you're hanging out in a perspective that Christ is not seated in. Christ is seated in heavenly places. And from that perspective, he views the world. If, if you live and seated at the cross, you're viewing life from this perspective of constantly dying. So the cross is a place where you die. But now again, this is a transition point. Now, the tomb is a place where the dead dwell. Well, you die, but then you don't stay dead. You die to the old life so that it's gone and done, so that you're raised to life in the new life. So you're not hanging out in the tomb either. You're with Christ in heavenly places where he's seated and he rules. So this is really important in terms of identity because... Um, there towards the end here, I don't know what this is like, um, verses like eight, nine, ten or so. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpieces. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, so there's good works for us to get into. But see, the, the perspective of where you dwell is going to affect the motive behind the good works you get into. So we have these good works, but if, 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 if you dwell from a perspective of the cross, like this, this constant, I need to die because I'm broken, 
then the good works you're going to do are going to be motivated out of a place of like, I'm trying to constantly earn God's approval, but you, you, you can't, it just said you can't earn righteousness through your good deeds. There are good deeds to be done, but if you live at the cross, you're constantly trying to earn what you already have as if you didn't have it. So we have to move from the cross to seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means you have to view yourself, this world, who you are, who God is, why you are, what you're called to do. You have to view all that stuff from the perspective where Christ is actually seated, where you're actually united with him, right? Um, because it's only in that then that you get into the good works you were created to do from the correct perspective. What do you guys think about that? Everything. <laughs> Some good pondering going on. <laughs> I was thinking about a revolving door. Um, like sometimes when I'm in the city, um, at, at Aldi, <laughs> <laughs> like a big city, like uh, Finley. <laughs> sometimes buildings have revolving doors, mm -hmm. and like, uh, yeah, I, I might have stole this from you, but I think uh, like you, you when you stay at the cross, though, you like you stay in that revolving door. Yeah, and you just it's it's like really picturesque of like a the cycle that you you yeah, just keep yeah, going around yeah. in circles. Um, but but yeah, it's that 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 transition point where you go. You got to go through the revolving door to get to the escalator, mm. and then you can go up the escalator <laughs> to the heavenly places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I know I've spent time in the revolving door. Yeah, we all have. Yeah, yeah um, sucks in there. Yeah, it's all very familiar. When is this gonna end? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> right, there's no new destination. You're just counting down the. The cycles. Yeah. Um, Which is infinity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, no, I like what you said about like, uh, you got, there's, there's good works to be done, but it's your motivation behind why you're, why you're doing those things. And it's like, I, I think, uh, um, uh, I used to, to, I don't even know, like you just, there's a, you can get so, just delicately confused to where you think you're doing something. Um, you think you're, you, you, you're trying to do good works um, because you think you have to, or, and you're, or you're trying to mend some kind of brokenness or something. Um, but then at the same time, you're like, yeah, but good works, you're, you're the one talking about good works, not being able to save yourself. Mm, and so it's right. like, it, there's like a delicate line there where it's like, you almost are doing what you're saying can't, can't happen. Yeah, you're um, trying to do the very thing you're saying is impossible. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, like, subconsciously, the things, the motivation behind what you're doing that's good is 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 really deep down, truthfully, because you feel like you're not adding up, or you feel like you can't. You need some. You need, you need some kind of these good works need to produce some kind of mending that that needs to happen. But yeah, um, yeah the the motivation behind it can be the difference between I think like a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ and an unhealthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Cause then you just, if you're trying to constantly add up, it can be like a, it can be like an unhealthy relationship between 
um, you know, father, son, whatever. It can be like, you know, we're constantly trying to add up and the pressure can literally break you down, yeah, 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 cause yeah. anxiety, frustration and everything else. When in reality, it's like there's no, the pressure doesn't exist. Losing doesn't exist. Failure doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it can be the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. But yeah, because I mean, just like you're talking about where it's like you're saying you're saying the right words, right? Like you're like, no, you cannot earn salvation. It's a free gift. But then literally not quite knowing it, you're actually trying to earn that thing. That's where it's like, so belief is the, are the things that you can conform to. So just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true. And just because you think something is right doesn't mean you actually believe it and you're not necessarily aware of what you believe until you kind of understand how beliefs work and so it's like so you think that you believe that no i'm I'm saved through faith but in reality your belief is proved through your actions so from that true belief of the perspective that you never add up you're always broken you're, you know, if, if, if the goal was to have my water bottle hold water and it was broken, then every time I put water in it, it would spew out. So it, it could never add up and it could never measure up and it could never do enough to become whole. But you keep putting water in because you're like, this thing is supposed to hold water. So it becomes so confusing and you, you go through this revolving door, not, not be, because you're, you're so bent on understanding who God is and living a life in him, but it's so skewed that it's like, you just, you, you, it just doesn't work. You know, people talk a lot about suffering. They're like, Oh, you know, following God is hard. It's hard because we live, when you live in this cycle, when you, when you make your home at the cross, that junk is hard, that there is some suffering. This is self-inflicted suffering due to the lack of knowledge and understanding of, true identity which just it's the foundation of life in god is is our true identity that the fact that the old is gone and the new has come so if if you never get past the old is gone and you keep thinking it's here you're going to keep going in that revolving door but that totally distracts your entire life from getting into the stuff we're about you know that we'll get into in a little bit but yeah, it's like that that place is suffering. That place does suck, you know, and, and people constantly talk about suffering <laughs> and how life is hard and how it sucks. Yeah. And it's like it really does from the perspective of the cross. The cross and Jesus was beautiful, right? What Jesus did brought life. And so I'm not putting down the cross. I'm saying that's not the place where you live anymore. That was a place that was the, that was the that was the buy-in. When you went down in water and baptism, you died. But you didn't stay down in the water, right? Because that would have drowned you. Then you would have been in a tomb where the where the dead hang out. You were brought back up to life. And now it's this new life that you live. I was thinking about that. Uh, Chris Valentin said it in a podcast and or a message. And I'm, I'm not, not going to recall it correctly. But something to the extent of... Um, because you are one with Christ, you are now by nature godly instead of this concept that you're just stuck in this sin nature, stuck at stuck at the cross in the sense that you you're living there as opposed to 
you're new. So you're now by nature godly. So it's a, yeah, I'm, he said, he said, yeah. if I, if I, if I've been given a new heart and a new mind, then I'm by nature godly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that, that was the other part of it. I knew I was missing some of it. <laughs> when your insides become totally brand new, you're brand new. Yeah. 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 It's that concept that you're not living at the cross. You're not, you're not living in that place of brokenness because you, you are brand new. Yeah. You can, I think you can, I think, can you choose? Microphone. Sorry. <laughs> can can okay. you choose? <laughs> Does it work like that? Does it, can you still hear me? <laughs> Could you choose what you, what you pick up your cross for? Like you can pick up your cross for victimization and self-pity and, and brokenness, or can you pick it up for something that is greatness and, and, uh, um, empowerment and functionality. Are you talking about the um, pick up your cross and follow me? Statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I looked that. So we we did a talk earlier this week with a group, and one of the um, it was really good questions. One of the questions was was that um, where I talked about how the cross is not a dwelling place, and then there was a a part where Jesus said, "Pick up your cross daily and follow me." Um, and so, again, context matters. A whole heck of a lot. Um, so just for instance, let's just pretend um, just for the sake of understanding the important importance of context. Let's say, um, well, we are in this case. So let's just say, um, let's say I'm talking about, we're talking about the difference between brokenness and wholeness. And so I say, all right, so in brokenness, we say things like, I'm broken, I'm jacked up. I'm no good. There's nothing good inside of me. And then I go on to explain how those perspectives keep you from actually understanding who you're created to be. And then I go on to drop some holy glory. All right. Let's just say we take that clip. We, 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 we put this video up on the computer in the editing software and we take the clip out where I said, and I quote, I am broken. I'm jacked up. I'm no good. Uh, and there's nothing good in me. If we just took out that little blip out of my whole talk and we posted it on social media and be like, hey, James from Be Transform, here's a clip from what these guys are doing. And it says, I'm broken, I'm jacked up, I'm no good, whatever. What What's the outcome? Right. The outcome is you took that piece out of the context and now it's left where it's it's the, the only result is to get incorrectly interpreted. There's no right. way you could view that in the way I meant it unless you knew me. Mm. Unless you knew me, what my message is and what my perspective is, you would not have understood where I was coming from if that's the only piece you got. Right. And that's, that's actually pretty deep right there. That idea of if, if you didn't know me and my thoughts and my ways. Because you guys do. So you guys, you guys would have known straight out the gate. If that's the clip you saw, you'd have been like, that just got taken, <laughs> taken out of context, which please don't anybody ever do that. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you think about that perspective of, of who we are in Christ. And if you, it, it's that whole concept of looking at it from the wrong lens, looking at it from the wrong perspective, only taking a piece of it, not getting the full picture. And then, and then you run with that. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not on purpose. It's, I mean, most of the time, I mean, it's not, 
you're not intending to do that, but you, you just grab these snippets of things that feel like a good nugget to, to hold on to. But if you don't have the right lens, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective, then it can send you down a... Yeah, I used to read that verse in Jeremiah where he's like, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Mm. And it's like, that was actually Jeremiah asking God that question. Like he Jeremiah's perspective at that point was like, He's like, oh my gosh, the heart is deceitful above all things who can understand it. And then God, like the verse after that, God starts talking again. And he's like, uh, says something to the point of like, uh, he's like, no, I know all things. I know the heart and, and I, I'm the one that can mend and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm the one that knows everything and, and, and can heal. Um, so yeah, it's just reading with, I think what, like what you said um, before is reading with what kind of lenses are you reading the scripture through? Yeah, so some of that, right, that's perspective where your perspective can actually skew what you read. Um, and yeah, and that 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 can be a big thing. But I'll get back to the your your question there, that the perspective piece. So the question was, right, so if if the cross is not the dwelling place, what about um this passage um where where Jesus says, Pick up your cross and follow me? And in, in Luke, it says that, and then in Matthew uh, 9, or give or take four or five chapters. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, there's, actually, there's actually another piece in Matthew that's not in the Luke passage, and, uh, and so he, here's, here's the context. So Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to suffer and die. Um, and all these bad things are going to happen, right? Peter takes Jesus aside and says, hey, that's never going to happen, right? Like Peter's perspective is like, we're going to keep you alive. Like from a human point of view, we're going to keep you alive and everything's going to be good. You know, we're going to continue to do our work and whatever. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He says, you don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of this world. Then he turns to the disciples and he says, oh, what does he say? He says, if you don't pick up your cross and follow me, then you're not worthy of me. He says, if, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. So the context is Jesus is talking about dying. Peter doesn't understand it. He's like, no, you don't need to die. We're going to keep you alive. Well, Jesus's mission was to come and die on the cross for the explicit purpose to die the death for us so that we could be raised with him. So, Peter, unbeknownst to him, is trying to throw a wrench in it. He's trying to put a little bit of doubt or some deviation into Jesus's plan, right? So let's just hypothetically say if, if Jesus took Peter's perspective and started to think about it and cultivate it, he'd be like, yeah, well, maybe, I, maybe this cup could pass for me. Maybe there is another way to achieve the mission. There's not, right? So if Jesus entertained this idea, it, that idea... Uh, set out to um, throw a wrench in the mission, but Jesus doesn't have it for a second. So he says, he calls him out and says, immediately, like those thoughts have no place because when you're, when you're on a mission, you gotta, you gotta get sold and you gotta stay sold. And so here's Jesus controlling his environment. Then he looks to everybody else and he says, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. What's he talking about? He's talking about the mission. You got to get so sold on what you're doing, what I've called you to do. And you can't, you can't deviate from it. You can't back out from it. You can't look for another way. He's saying, 
he's saying get sold and stay sold. He's not saying you need to die and keep dying. He says you need to do what you're called to do and you need to stay focused and you can't entertain these thoughts of doubt or worry or whatever. You need to entertain action and focus. So in context, it's we're talking about getting sold. We're not talking about constantly dying. Because Jesus, right. literally, his mission was to go to the cross. So he says, pick up your cross, which is his mission, and follow me. Daily, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if you're going to take it literally, then then you literally need to go get a cross and, and literally carry it. Cruci- yeah, you need to literally be crucified daily. And so it, it's not like this, yeah, it's not like go build a cross, tie yourself to it, and carry it around. Like if you're going to take it literally like that's literally what it, what he's saying then to you, like as you interpret it that way. But yeah, like you said, the context is obvious where it's like, uh, no, if you have a mission, you've got to carry it out daily. You've got to be, you've got to show up, be disciplined, be committed daily and do it just like this is my mission. Now I've given you a mission. You got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Context, man, it matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um bam. So um this this um here towards the end here back in Ephesians 2 uh like 8 9 10ish, right? So it's 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 uh, I didn't have the numbers on there. It says God saved you by his grace when you believed. Ho, come on somebody, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good deeds that we have done so no one can boast. All right. So again, from wholeness and identity, right? Your, your identity is found in that we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All right. Here's where it gets real good. If you didn't think that was good enough. Uh, he says, for we are all God's masterpiece masterpiece or workmanship he has created us anew in christ jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago all right so we looked up some of these words and it says uh for we are all god's masterpiece or workmanship which means literally product or thing that is made right and you (laughs) i mean masterpiece like when you think about a masterpiece you're talking about a somebody with high levels of skill and ability who put their whole heart and soul into creating something i'm talking about whole heart and soul i'm talking about jesus dying on the cross for the explicit purpose to turn you into a masterpiece in this new self so, and then it says, then he created us anew in Christ. Well, that word created, oh, this is interesting. It says, through the idea of proprietorship of the manufacturer, meaning to fabricate, form, create, or make. All right? So, God fashioned us and created us anew in Christ so that we could do the things he planned for us long ago. All right? Or, or, so that we could do the good works that he planned for us long ago. So these good works means to toil uh, as in effort or occupation, right? As like an act, a deed, doing your labor or work. Um, Like these works that we're called to do. So 
it, we're, we're a masterpiece for one, like sexy. Two, you were created on purpose, fabricated for the work you were going to do. Meaning the, um, the manufacturer put inside of you everything you were going to need to be able to successfully do these good works that he planned for you long ago. And these good works, these things that you're called to do, this is like, this is what you give yourself to. These are the efforts. This is your occupation. This is your purpose and your mission in life is to serve up um, these good things. So again, right, from, from the perspective then, of being seated with Christ in heavenly places, we're looking at the world from an an empowerment uh, perspective. We're looking at the world and our mission and our call as in like holding unlimited resources, unlimited power, unlimited possibilities and potential. We can do anything, like literally. So from this perspective, comes greater knowledge and understanding of who we are, why we are, why God created this world, right? The, the original intent, the purpose behind things, not just the things for face value, but what's behind the face value, the thing that created the face value from that perspective, then you get into, you live in identity and then you get into these good works from wholeness and empower. Right. With this great understanding, because again, right. So like the your motives matter. Right. People get terrified of getting burnt out, mainly because they're living in the revolving door, which already generates anxiety, fear, doubt, insecurity, identity crisis. Um, and so people are like oh, they're they're already burnt out because <laughs> you're constantly in stress mode. So getting out from that and getting into the right perspective, then we're taking action based upon motives that fuel us opposed to motives that drain us. So if I got to do this, otherwise God doesn't love me, then I'm still stressed out. And the reason I'm doing it isn't so much for the person or to execute my gift. It's because if I don't, God won't love me. So your motives are so weighty there's such like an anchor behind you that every step is so painfully like draining where seated with Christ in heavenly places is flows from like this realization of who you are, what's inside of you, what you're capable of. You're like, I can freaking run up and down a mountain all day, every day. I can carry 20 people with me. I, whatever it takes, I can do it right. Because I see who I am. I see the people hurting. I see how I'm in wholeness and how I can offer that wholeness. And I'm going to give my entire self to that. So from that perspective, right, you're constantly just, you've got this, uh, uh, there's this energy generation. Oh, freaking! there's like a, um, flow, flow generator, a water, Heater, heater, a water, a water blanket, a water nu- bed. No, I'm just kidding. A nuclear power plant. A nuclear power plant. There's Inside this constant energy source that that <laughs> cannot be depleted, right? Or, yeah, you just this is this is this this is what Paul was talking about when he's talking about. He's like freaking. I'm I'm content. I don't freaking care. It doesn't matter what I have. He's like, no, literally, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've got this like. Uh, I'm picturing like a water. It's water and it's churning. As it's churning, 
it's it's like the the energy is being stored and it's being released, right? That's that river that lives inside of you that has no end. It's eternal by nature. That has no beginning. You couldn't run it out. And your goal is to constantly see if you can run it out. And every time you see if you try to run it out, that bad boy just keeps flowing. And it's just, just like this constant energy push, move. Like there's just such like glory that... <laughs> That that's the motivation from the place of being seated in heavenly places with Christ. Where like in the revolving door, you're constantly drowning and somehow you're trying to help the people around you. But you're like. It, you're drowning. Yeah, you're not you're like your your lights, not microphone, turned. your lights <laughs> not turned on. <laughs> Logan, Logan's getting tired and, and, and leaning away from that mic. I'm just gonna stay back here. <laughs> just point it at you then. <laughs> uh, no, it's like your light goes out. There's no electricity left. Yeah, you're going through the revolving door. Your battery runs out. Yeah, well, because you're constantly going and you're constantly yeah. making no ground. Yeah, people notice that too. People notice it. Yeah, the world notices it. Well, it's malfunction. Yeah, malfunction. Yeah. It's no fun. I've been there. I've been there hard. I caused I caused that door to be spinning, man. That bad boy be spinning. <laughs> you try to come up to it, and you know somebody else be getting knocked down. It's spinning so fast. <laughs> yeah. Then I blew it up. <laughs> Get me out of this. Yeah. So if we so. In, in light of all this, right, um, made news, like we're, we're, we're God's masterpieces, created anew in Christ so that we could do the good works that were planned for us long ago. All right, so in Ephesians 4, it gets even better. So it says uh, here in like verse 11 through uh, 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip. Come on, somebody. To equip. Say it. Equip. Equip. Equip <laughs> his people. For what? Works of service. Oh, my gosh. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work all right so god gave some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the explicit purpose to equip his peoples for works of service all right so if we go back to ephesians 2 it says for we are god's masterpieces and he's created us anew in christ jesus so that we can do the good works that he planned uh, for us long ago okay 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 all right so then what are these people? What, what's what's the job then? What's the purpose of like the, this this leadership of the body of Christ? It's to equip the peoples to be able to dominate in that gift that God gave you when He created you as a masterpiece and put inside you everything you needed to get into your purpose. So the purpose of the 
apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the people for works of service, to get into, to discover one, that identity, right? That we're no longer broken. We're no longer uh, a slave to sin, but we've been made alive in Christ. And now we're seated. We're not in the revolving door. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Okay, now from here, this is, this is identity, right? We're talking about wholeness. We're talking about sonship. We're talking about restoration, reconciliation, justified, declared righteous, right? Then inside of this, under, but I'm not talking about words, man. I'm talking about belief. Belief is what you conform to. Mental agreement is when you like an idea. Belief is where you conform to it. This is where you transform by the renewing of your mind, where you learn to take that new information and then begin to think, feel, and act whole. It's you can't just say I'm I'm whole and then live like you got a giant crack and your and your your water's draining out, right? Because then you're in the, rev, the revolving door. You have to learn how to think, feel, and act. You have to embody. You have to embrace. You have to accept the fact that you're whole. This is identity. And this is very necessary for you to properly discover the fact that you're a masterpiece and you hold these gifts that God put in you for the purpose to use them. Now, it's in this. Check this out. Hama. Carolyn's leaving. She'll be right back. Nobody panic. Um, what? She lost my train of thought right there. My train of thought went with Carolyn. All right. It says, okay, the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the purpose is to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The purpose is to equip the people for works of service so that it's these it's the people who understand their works of service and then use those, use their gifts. This is the byproduct. The byproduct of, of the people being equipped in identity, purpose, and vision the byproduct, the result is that the body of Christ, we're talking, I'm not talking about your church, I'm not talking about your organization, I'm talking about across the globe, the entire world, the people, the body of Christ who believe is built up. We reach unity in the faith. We grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. This is done as we discover who we are, why we are, and what we're called to do. And when we get into it, it affects. One, you start to grow in maturity and you start to get strong. And then by two, you start to change the things around you. So it goes on, right? And it says, um, it says in verse 16, it says, for in him, in Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as each part grows, like starts to really come into itself and really starts to discover its, its use, its mode of movement, its 
gift. As you start to discover your gift, you start to refine it. You start to grow in knowledge, knowledge and understanding of who you are, knowledge of understanding of how to use that gift. As you start to use it, you're, you are growing in maturity. The byproduct of you growing in maturity is that your environment around you starts to grow in maturity. As you become stronger, you awaken other people to become stronger. As we all become stronger and start using our gifts, it's this total effect over the entire body that we start to come into the fullness of of who we are created to be. If the body is the people, head, the head is Jesus. The head is waiting for the body to grow the freak up, right? Like from um, infancy, right? He says, then we'll no longer be infants tossed around by the wind. So the head is ready to be mature, right? There's nothing wrong with the head. The body we're waiting for the body to catch up. The, the way the body catches up is that we have to get out of the revolving door and we have to get into the perspective where we're seated with Christ. It's in this that you start to come into who you are. It's in becoming who you are that you start to unleash what is inside of you. By unleashing what is inside of you, you start to know God more. You start to understand who you are more. You start to see where, you, where you're called to work and who you're called to work with. And as you start to work with them, everybody starts to grow. They start to see their gift. They start to understand where they go. And then they start to, to use their gift. This is this just, it's like a, it's a domino effect that creates total stability and growth it it's predictable it's predictable success growth it's freaking predictable there's a process to it though it starts with understanding the very foundations of this life in god which is the cross as a transition point to a place that unites us with christ where you are no longer separated and you are brand new. What do you guys think? James showed up tonight. He he was awake. <laughs> I think that sums it right up for me. For me. I don't think I can Microphone? add. I don't think I can add to it. Gosh damn. I don't think I can add to it. What do you got? Well, I, I was listening to something earlier um, talking about the renewed mind and what, what it looks like to have a renewed mind. And I'm just thinking about living in this place of wholeness versus I, I just this, this concept, this concept of not. The microphone, <laughs> <laughs> the microphone got me. <laughs> I got a little too close. Um, just not being tossed back and forth. And I think mm. about like when you are renewed, when you are transformed, when you're not living at the cross, like you have. And, and, I, and I feel like there's uh, okay. So the, the symptoms of a renewed mind, and this comes from Chris Valton, also Bill Johnson, they're kind of a combined list of, but just like you live in hope, the impossible seems reasonable. You live in peace and you don't worry. Your speculations are positive. And like that one for me, like I think about back, this like living in a place of like not, I mean, we can all go through times where you're not peaceful, you're worrying, what, but just thinking about how that's a renewed mind, how that's a transformed mind, how that's coming into a place of maturity when you, your speculations are positive. You don't, every situation is in a scenario of like, oh, this is the worst case possible. Like every, you live in hope, you, um, you like yourself, you're mm -hmm. confident and thankful. Like, and, and that was 
talking about how like you're you're not arrogant because if you're thankful you can't be arrogant so it's like confident and thankful at the same time gives you that like um just another another symptom um i'm jumping around here but you're quick to forgive and freely give grace to others you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt and just like all those pictures of of wholeness that in connection to talking about living in maturity and not being tossed around and yeah that was that's what i left for <laughs> my notes right. that was a good left <laughs> no it's true right so m- maturity uh, creates stability where immaturity creates massive um like waves right where they go way up way down way up way down i'm on these highs i got these massive lows i believe and crap i doubt you know and be, uh, because there's this this there's this very real perspective of the revolving door um and there's a perspective where like we sometimes we think that's right people never get over these massive waves like they're constantly in this roller coaster of life like literally like what like the things you just said like they forgive they don't worry there's not anxious right People constantly be like, oh, no, I'm worried. Oh, no, I'm anxious. Oh, no, I'm this. Oh, no, I don't read the Bible. Oh, no. Like there's no there's no growth or there's no like steady change. There, there's the because it's the constant revolving. It's the it's the same pattern. It's the same cycle. And you never move forward. Therefore, you never make any progress. But it's like in wholeness and from a totally new perspective, seated with Christ in heavenly places comes this whole new way of thinking. Because, look, we've, we've got the mind of Christ, right? To think the thoughts of God, you become what you think about, which is why as we contemplate the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. And this is from the Lord, who is the spirit. You become what you think about. So it's like from hanging out from the correct perspective, it starts to influence your inner dialogue, your inner views of yourself, that 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 talk that goes it's uh, on the inside at like a really like low frequency. It's, sometimes it's quiet, but it's freaking steady and it's negative and it sucks and it's full of doubt. It's full of fear. It's full of worry, but a renewed mind being transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, a mind that was brought back to the original understanding of purpose and of life starts to become transformed. It's like, it's serious. It's so serious that the way you think, so matters like incredibly matters so yeah so i'm gonna read this this uh ephesians 4 again this is in the nlt i like what it says um about the immature part but i'll read the whole thing again it says now these are the gifts christ gave to the church right the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher these are gifts by the way That's kind of fun. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. interesting when you read different versions you just get a whole nother light to it and it's just the the beauty of that's it's looking at it from an um what's well another translation but it's almost like another like you see it from another perspective yeah. because you especially if you've read the same translate translation over and over and you you read it in a new translation it just comes alive in a different way yeah, yeah. just that that concept of when you live in wholeness, when you live with a renewed, transformed mind, it it oozes out of you, and then it, you know, it's like that's each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Like that's just like a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of like the community of Christ, and how that that actually can you take that into the people around you, and how that actually is transforming. It actually does look different. Everything about it becomes different. It affects, look, this this stuff affects the way you parent. It affects the way you marriage. It affects the way you single. It, it affects. <laughs> you marriage. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. These actions. It, yeah. It, it affects these relationships because from purpose and understanding of who God is and who you are and where you're seated and the perspective of life that you see from seated in heavenly places, from the mind of Christ, from the eyes of God, from the power. When you, when you start seeing what he sees, the way he sees it, (coughs) everything starts to change because then that influence filters into your kids. Right. And then you're not confused on how to raise your kids. You train your kids up in the way they should go. And the way they should go is what you're constantly cultivating, which is the glory of God. And when the glory of God is what you cultivate, you reproduce what you know. You reproduce what you know. If all you know is the revolving door, you will reproduce the revolving door. But when what you know is seated with Christ in heavenly places, my good peoples, you will reproduce what you know. And it won't just be words. It'll be fruit. Fruit is the result. It's the byproduct. It's a thing that is created. Time will tell, my good peoples, whether we lived in the revolving door or seated in heavenly places. Because one creates transformation, while the other one kind of just creates this place of suck. Don't nobody need to suck. You need to succeed. <laughs> Come on, somebody. My good peoples. <laughs> Until next time. Peace.